Well, good day. How are you all? Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. For those of you that are visiting, we count it such a privilege that you would come and, and, and worship the Lord with us and just be with us this day. For those of you that are here all the time, thank you from the bottom of our hearts what you mean to this church, what you mean to every person here. Well, we're going to try and talk about that a little bit today. Today, where we are in the Word of God, for those of you that are visiting, we're kind of taking a look at what does a church, what should a church, uh, uh, what would be called a New Testament church, what would be called a church, what does a church look like? What is its purpose? What do we want it to do? What are we supposed to do? What are the do's and the don'ts? Well, you'd be surprised, I think, to find out there are far less don'ts than you might imagine. There's a whole lot of do's. There's things that we can do, and we are free in the Lord. Well, we've got to the book of Acts. We started studying the book of Acts and we kind of got into the second chapter, but we moved on. And when we got into the 20th chapter, it dawned on us that maybe we ought to take a look back at Acts chapter 2 and see again what it says when it says this is what the church ought to be like. And what we did was we took the premise of what happened after the day of Pentecost. After Peter preached a message to the people that were in Jerusalem, The Bible says about 3,000 souls, 3,000 people became Christians and they started what we now know as the church. And the the one directive that Peter and the apostles gave to the people that just were newly, newly found believers in Jesus Christ is they asked them in Acts chapter 2 in the 42nd verse, they were to be, they asked, to be continually devoted to the things of God. And there were six different things that we saw there from Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 42 to verse 47. Four of those things are in verse 42. One of them, we kind of really, really hit home here at this church, and that is that we would be a church that is continually devoted to the Word of God. Let's face it, without the Word of God, you and I have nothing to stand upon, nothing. Everything about our lives, everything that moves us is because of the Word of God. So we we taught that for a couple weeks, and then we got into the second thing, which is where we are now. And it is my, my contention that this particular aspect, this one thing that we are to be continually devoted to, will either make or break a church, putting aside the Word of God. Not not putting aside the Word of God, but apart from the Word of God. And it is fellowship. And the problem is that most people misunderstand what fellowship is. We we think that fellowship is gathering around and, and kind of having coffee or donuts or stuff like that and just kind of having fun with one another. And that is not at all fellowship. If, if that's fellowship, then, then we might as well have a country club, just a social club. No, true fellowship centers its heart and its energy and its thoughts upon the person of Jesus Christ, and it becomes a place where we encourage one another, stimulate each other to growth, stimulate each other to love and to good works, and to do those things that are called for for us to do within a church. And so I I talked last week, and I want to do the same thing this week on on the idea of fellowship. It is my deepest, deepest, deepest prayer. This, this message here is as important to my heart as any that I've given in any, a long time. And that is because if you and I, if we really understand fellowship, true Christian fellowship, then we'll understand what God asks of us to be and to become. And you'll see how important each of us are in each other's lives. 
the other things it goes on to mention that are, we are to be continually devoted to is to the breaking of bread, which we will take a look at next week. And that's basically communion. And, and communion is, is, is important in your life and in my life. Communion is because it helps us to remember. Jesus says, whenever you do these things, do them in remembrance of me. And so it, it helps us to remember who he is in our lives. But he also allows us to have communion so that we might go before the Lord for the forgiveness of our sins, which helps to repair any kind of uh, breakings of relationships that there are within the family of God. And then it says the fourth thing is to prayer. And face it, folks, without prayer, we're, we're dead in the water. Because there's nothing that you and I do in and out of our own power. Everything, everything that is done within our lives, within the church, within everything that we do is because of prayer and that God blesses us and gives us the power to go through whatever it is we're going through. As a matter of fact, this week, I got two amazing emails. Um, I'm going to kind of read them to you in a moment. And, And both of them spoke to the whole idea of fellowship and and the, the unity that there is within the body of Christ. And then it goes on in Acts chapter 2, stating a little later that there should be the support that is given within the church, that is the financial giving. So I'll give you plenty of warning so you'll know when we're going to do that so you can plan your vacations now. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but we're going to talk about the importance of, of giving, and the Bible speaks very clearly that we all are to be a part. And then lastly, it talks about worship and praise and how we are to worship the Lord. But this, this particular week, talking about fellowship, uh, David Briggs did another, a second in of, our, of, our, of the videos that we're going to have concerning these issues. And he, uh, he interviewed three gentlemen in our church who, who really will explain to you, I think far better than I will, the whole idea and the importance of fellowship and what it means in their lives. And so I'd love for you to, to show the video and I'd, Please watch it up on the wall and, and see what how it will speak to you. Fellowship. The word fellowship to me means a commitment and a oneness with each other that holds each other accountable in all areas of life. What mob means to me is it really develops and enhances fellowship among Christian men. It uh, helps guys, you know, understand and uh, further their involvement in the Word of God. The most significant thing that goes on is definitely the uh, fellowship of the men together, the m- men that have a common bond. You know, we go through this world and there's a lot of problems and trials and temptations. There's so much from the outside uh, pounding at us that uh, we, we got to stick together. My relationship and fellowship with the, the guys in my mob group, it's pretty intimate. We share a lot of things that uh, you wouldn't share normally outside with other people. Being able to be transparent and open in a setting that people don't judge you. So you don't have to really uh, put on any additional mask or anything. I mean, we are what we are. When we, we pray and you have something that you need prayer, we, we pray. I talk to God all the time, you know, where I didn't before. The church has changed me that way, especially with mob. We do a lot of praying before and after. I would totally be lost if I didn't have my group on Saturday. We just, you know, just say it how it is. Just speak it out. Bring it to the light. So that's a great thing. It's a, it's a, sometimes it can be a rarity in this world. <laughs> 
and it's a blessing. It really fills a hole in my life to me. Any other place on the planet, it just doesn't fill you up like with fellowship with other believers. You know, the study of the church is critical, I think, and Pastor John, this, the personal time, uh, you have personal time in the morning, and that's critical. And then the men is also, to me, special because we're there with the same kind of focus. People think, you know, being Christian is all rosy and this and that, and it's not. It's, uh, it's, it's tough being a Christian in a, in a secular world. It keeps me accountable, and it helps me grow daily in the Word, prayer, and communication with Him. I just think that's a huge part of the, what we call the church today. Boy, David Briggs does just such a wonderful job as he kind of presents to us the whole idea of... Uh, these issues that we will be going through, the whole idea of passing on to one another, to the next generation, um, I think is critical to our understanding and, and, uh, and knowing the whole idea of fellowship. Let me read you this one email I got. I, I, I started off last night not planning to read it, and I, I did, and it seemed to fit in. Um, I received it from, uh, I, I won't tell you who, it's not that important uh, that we know who, and I... Um, although I did call and, and tell, ask the person if it would be okay if I read this and said yes. Basically said thank you for praying for, uh, for me two weeks some time ago concerning my heart procedure. Uh, your prayers, the prayers of my family and friends comforted me at a very difficult time in my life when nothing else seemed to bring solace. We worship, he writes, an awesome God who hears our prayers and gives us what we need in his time, not ours. That's good theology right there. He said, that has always been one of the most difficult things for me to see from my finite perspective, the cloudy glass that doesn't allow us to see as clearly as we ought sometimes. He says, my faith has never reflected the type of strength that I should have. Many times I am ashamed of that. However, I am happy to report that after two tests that indicated that I possibly had a heart attack or a, a viral heart infection, the results of the last intensive and most definite tests, my heart, my, my, my cardiologist says I'm okay. He says that there is no previous incident. There is no infection that we can find. There's no restriction that you should have now on your physical abilities, he says, and activities. You can go about your regular exercise program. And he wrote, what do you think of that? He says, I know what I think. Praise the Lord. He says, the doctor explained the results of that previous two tests that indicated I had a, a deep problem were called in medical terms a false positive. Interesting term, he writes, isn't it? As I heard the term, he says, I thought about it. It brought to mind messages being delivered by many pastors and churches at seeker-friendly churches across our country that tickle the congregation's ears and work so hard at not offending those who are coming into their doors. He writes, that watered-down message is then taken home by the congregation and leads them to believe that they're okay. No harm, no fall. Kids are okay. Just a false 
positive, he writes. But indeed, like the results of my first two tests, they were erroneous. It is, this is my opinion right here. God healed this gentleman. God just healed him. He said, you suggested that we read ahead in Psalms 119, and I did so. He said, I found ten directives that required my response as I was waiting upon the tests that were going to come back to me. In Psalms 119, he writes about verses 41 to 48. And in there are ten different things that touched his heart. Listen how God spoke to him. In verse 42, it says, I have an answer, says God. Verse 42, the writer says, I will trust in you. I will wait upon you, verse 43. I will keep in in verse 44. I will walk, in verse 45. I will seek, in verse 45. I will speak and not be ashamed, it says in verse 46. I, I shall delight, lift up my hands and meditate upon you, in verses 47 and 48. We have an awesome God. Part of all that we are is our caring for one another. That's true Christian fellowship. And it it is my deepest prayer that you and I will understand how important the body of Christ is. Like in this gentleman's life, how it encouraged him in a very difficult time in his life. And how it made him go get into the Word of God to find the peace that only God could bring at a time like that. So, what I'm going to try to say to you today is that you are needed. You are an integral part of this church. And without you, we will never be the church that God desires us to be. And I'm hoping and praying that you'll catch this. Pray with me, please. Dear Father, Thank you for the results of that test. Uh, Thank you for um, your kindness. And I pray your blessings, Father, upon each and every single one of us. Many of us here are going through deep waters and need your care. Some of us are not. We need to encourage those that are. We ask your blessings upon your words, dear Father, that we were to, uh, to read today and to study today. As the psalmist wrote in that 119th Psalm, Father, the 18th verse, would you open up our eyes? I might add, Father, our hearts, our minds, and our thoughts that we might behold wonderful things from your word. Teach us, dear Father, as only you can. Move me aside, I beg of you. Allow us, Father, to sense that you are speaking to our hearts concerning the very issue of a church that will make or break us. And that's the whole idea of true Christian fellowship. Bless us, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. To have fellowship within the family of God is each and every single one of ours spiritual duty. We are to encourage one another. We are called, it says, we're going to take a look at just four different places in Scripture, and we're going to take a look at at Hebrews 10 a couple times. We're going to look at uh, Ephesians 4 a couple times. I'll ask you to turn to Job chapter 12 in a moment after I read you the second email that I received, and we're going to take a look at Philippians chapter 2. We are told in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, that we are to stimulate each other. 
We are to stimulate each other to love and to good deeds. The, the writer of Hebrews says, consider how to do this. And then he answers it in verse 25 by, say, by saying, do not forsake your assembling together, as is the habit of some. But rather, he writes, encourage one another. Stimulating each other, encouraging one another, is our spiritual duty within the family of God. You and I have that responsibility that we are to encourage one another to love and to good deeds. Now, why? The question ought to be, why? Why are we to stimulate one another to love and good deeds and all the other things that are asked of us within the Word of God? The answer is simple, and yet it is profound. For whatever reason God chose, God decided to choose you and me to help one another within the body of Christ, to help us grow in our faith. As we are told in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, but all the way through 1 Corinthians, or a good portion of 1 Corinthians, in Ephesians, we are told that God has given each and every single one of us who have come to believe in Him as our Lord and Savior, the moment we come to believe in Him, He gives each of us a spiritual gift. And that gift that He gives to you and to you and you and you and you and you and me, that gift has been given to us for a purpose, so that we might stimulate each other within the body of Christ to do good things. So therefore... He says in the Bible, don't don't forsake your gathering together so that you can encourage one another. In Ephesians 4, God gave gifts to every single one of us so that we might equip. Pastor West taught a few weeks back back wonderfully. He taught that, that you and I have a responsibility on this earth in which we live. And that is we are to pass on the knowledge of Christ to the next generation. And so Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12 tells us very, very clearly, we have been given these gifts, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, so that we can equip one another, so that we can, the next part of, of verse 12, is so that we might do the work of service. In other words, so that when we are equipped, we can then go out and do whatever it is necessary within the body of Christ the work of service, so as to ultimately do what God has called every single one of us to do, and that is the end of verse uh, 12, to build up the body of Christ. That's our ultimate goal. You want to know why you're alive? You don't need to go much further than Ephesians 4.12. You're alive and been gifted so as to equip the next person, help equip them so that they might do the work of service so that ultimately we as a body of believers will build up God's body, the the church. That's our goal. So that no one out there would perish. By the grace of God, we would reach our family members, our loved ones, those that we come in contact with, with the wonderful privilege of leading them to Christ. It's the most wonderful thing that any of us can ever uh, aspire to do within our lives here on this earth. And so you and I are needed within the body of Christ. We are needed to equip. We are needed to do the work. We are needed to build up the body of Christ. You see, 
The basic meaning of the word fellowship in Greek is K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. I said this to you last week. It means to partner or to share with one another. You see, like it or not, God has given every single one of us a gift so that you and I may assist each other in our growth in Christ. Which takes me to the second email I received, which is perfect for fellowship. It's a, it's a story about geese. I got it on the internet. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I, I, I emailed it to my wife right away and I said, isn't this great? And she says, yeah, and it was great about a month ago when you told me about it. So here's the good thing about me. I forget everything. So everything's new. Everything's exciting. I'm a little kid. That comes, every morning's Christmas. So I, wo- I, I wrote this to her and it just blessed me because as I was trying to, to put together my thoughts about... <laughs> it is funny. What I, I put together my thoughts about fellowship. This thing came to me and I felt like it was of God. And someone from the church gave it to me. Just send it to me. The author is unknown. Listen to this. It says, have you ever, have you ever wondered why geese fly in V formation? Well, no, I have never wondered that once a day in my life. <laughs> but all of a sudden, I thought, okay, why? Why do they fly in a V formation? The answer is what we understand as fellowship. Listen, in a V formation, the writer writes, the whole flock adds at least 70% more flying range than if one bird was flying alone. In other words, when their wings flap, the one in the front does the flapping and the one behind them, there is an updraft. And as it goes behind to the ones that are following in this V formation, there is like an updraft that allows them to go much further than if they were flying just alone. And much more easier because it's less energy. It enables the birds to fly in a a farther range. Each bird causing an updraft for the next bird. If, it's the road, if a bird falls out of the formation, how this person... (laughs) found this out beyond me. If a bird falls out of the formation, suddenly they feel the strong wind resistance and immediately they get back into the formation so that they could sense that draft. This is my words, not the ones that were written. Like geese, you and I share in a common direction here at the church. We, we have a common sense of community. We can get where we're going quicker. We can get where we're going easier than those who fly alone. Back to the story. When the lead goose gets tired, carrying the load, being out front, it rotates back into the formation, and another goose takes the lead. Therefore, they share share the task with one another. I must say to you that I've watched geese fly. I've watched birds fly. I didn't know it was geese, but I've watched birds fly in this V formation, and I've noticed that they do move. I noticed that. One would move and then another one would take its place. You know why? Because the one in front is doing most of the work. And when it gets tired, it moves back and someone else takes its place. A sense of community. A sense of sharing. Listen to this. He writes, or she writes, when a goose gets wounded or sick, 
two others will drop out with it and follow it down to help and to provide protection and will stay with that bird until they are able to fly again or until they die. And when they launch out again after taking care of this one bird, if it's all three of them, they launch out and they meet up with another group that's going in the same direction and try to meet up with their original group. Now, I don't know how this guy knows this, but I think it is the very essence of true fellowship. I ask you to look at Job chapter 12 with me. At the end of this explanation of, of geese flying in a V formation, you kind of click through it and you see pictures, beautiful pictures of birds flying. The end slide is Job chapter 12. Verses 7 through 10. Job says, Ask the beasts and let them teach you. And the birds of the heavens, let them tell you. Or speak to the earth and let it teach you. Or let the fish of the sea declare to you. Verse 9. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? Verse 10 says, In whose hand is the life of every living thing, the breath of all mankind. God has made you and me as we are. And we can learn from one another. We can learn from the animals. We can learn from those around us. God has made you and me so that each one of us becomes necessary to the next fellow Christian. Necessary in our growth, necessary in our faithfulness, necessary in our consistency, in whatever it is that God is trying to do in and through our lives. As Ephesians 4.12 says, you and I have been gifted so as to equip the other people so as to do the work of service that God has called us to do, so as to ultimately build up the body of Christ. That's the reason you and I draw breath. Make no mistake about it. The issue in your life and in my life is to equip other believers, help them do the work of service that God's called them to do, because that's the joy of Christian life. The real blessings come when you are serving the Lord in your area of giftedness, God has gifted you to use that gift so that you might be blessed and you might bless others. All of that is done, Ephesians 4.12 tells us, so that you and I have the privilege of building up the body of Christ. That's why we draw breath. Build up the body of Christ to faithfulness, to love, to growth, to kindness, all of the things that ought to be done within the family of God. Listen, for any of us to fail to participate in the life of a local church is utterly in, inexcusable, folks. You and I ought to make an appointment every single week. And that appointment might be, might, should be set in stone that of all the appointments we make that week, the one appointment that we should not miss is church. Not to come to church is directly disobedient to the Word of God and will hinder the next person, the person that you might be 
sitting alongside of or who might be across the room or who might have been in the first service or the, the service we had yesterday, Saturday. You might hinder their growth, their fellowship. As Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25 warns us, let us consider how we might stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And the way you and I stimulate the other person to love and good deeds is not to forsake our own gathering together, as is the habit of some, but rather we're to encourage one another. That's why we're here. We're to love one another. We're to encourage each other. We're to help each other grow in our faith and our trust in Christ. And the gift that you have has not been given to you by accident. God knew exactly what He was doing when He gifted you so that it would fit into the body of Christ. You know, we're like a, a, a great big puzzle. You know, if you, our, our family, we used to do puzzles and when, when the kids were younger. We'd put, Kay would have a nice puzzle and put it out on a big table. And when everybody wanted to, they could go do the puzzle. And the other day, we were taking care of one of our grandkids, and Kay comes home with another puzzle and puts it out on the table. And so we start to do it. And we're all like all of these pieces. You know, when they're all outside and they're all scrambled up, there's nothing in there. Nothing makes sense. It doesn't look like anything. And then all of a sudden, you do the border, you know. And then all of a sudden, you start putting in pieces. And before you know it, it starts to resemble the picture on the box. And you, you start to see it take place. Each piece has its, its important part. You know what the worst part is? Is when you do a puzzle and one of the darn pieces is missing. Isn't that the pits? I mean, you feel like, oh, darn it. You know, I look high and low for it. You know, try to find that piece just to fit the puzzle together. And I sense we are like that within the family of God. We're all a piece of this wonderful puzzle that God is going to put together here at the Rock Community Church and he's going to fit it together so it makes a wonderful picture of whatever he wants to do through us and each of us is this piece of puzzle that that needs to fit into the picture to make the picture complete let's not forsake our own gathering together simply put folks the Bible has never envisioned your life as a believer in Jesus Christ as one that would be lived apart from other believers. We're not islands. No, we're, we're more like those geese who are up there causing a draft for the one behind it so it's easier for them to get going and, and, and follow along. And when they kind of get their breath, you know, and get it all together and they're flying good and then one of us will have a problem and maybe fall back and they can then take the lead and put the wind put the, the wind between or beneath our wings so that we can continue on to help carry us. Without question, church, it is absolutely, utterly necessary for you and me to be in church each and every week that we can be here because you and I have an obligation given to us by God. It is called your spiritual gift to care for the next person. And that is, in and of itself, that is true Christian fellowship. It's not going out and having a cup of coffee and a donut with someone and that's, you know, just getting together. And No, that's that's a country club. That's social club. True Christian fellowship is true, having whatever you want to eat and, and gathering together, but it's gathering together in the name of Jesus Christ and encouraging one another stimulating each other to love and to good deeds, encouraging us so that we can become more the person of God that God has called us to to be. 
you have something that is needed by the next person and vice versa. You need to be here so we can bless you. You need to be here so that you can bless us. Listen, our walk, our growth in Jesus Christ is hindered, is hindered. It is not all it's supposed to be when you're not here. And so is your life. It's hindered. We need one another. We need to stimulate each other to love and good deeds. And that is what the Bible calls true fellowship. When you live your life as a believer, taking care of the body of Christ, which is called the church, as Joey said so beautifully in the video that we saw, it's a big, bad world out there. We need one another to encourage each other. So Paul writes to the church in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. I told you last week I was going to do a wedding. I told you last week it's one of my favorite things to do. It, it, it couldn't have been more spectacular. It was just, it was such a great wedding. Wonderful people. It's just a great wedding. And in the wedding, I, I said to them what I said to everybody I've ever married that I can remember. And that is out of the, out of the book of Philippians, the, the second chapter, the third and the fourth verse. It says, do nothing from selfishness nor empty conceit. But with humility of mind, let each of you, what? Regard one another as more important than you do your own self. Want to have a good church? Want to have a good marriage? Regard the next person that you are sitting alongside of or in this congregation as more important than you do your own self. It goes on to say in the next verse, not merely looking out for your own personal interests but looking out for, caring for the interests of one another. That's true Christian fellowship. And without you being a part each and every week that you can be here, we are hindered. We're not going to be the church that God has called us to be. And so I pray with all my heart you sense your need to build upon the, the life of the next person. I, I sure hope that with all my heart. Because... You need to realize it's your responsibility, not the staff. I mean, the staff has responsibilities. There's no question about it. Being on staff is a wonderful call. But it's, it's burdensome. Trust me, it is burdensome. It's a 24-hour, it's a, it's a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week job. It, it, it just doesn't stop because there, there's always someone, there's always something that's having a problem. And that problem, if you truly love one another becomes a part of you. I mean, don't you even sense that? I mean, I know you do with your own family. I mean, when, when my kids hurt, I hurt. When you hurt, I hurt. It, it, it hurts. But the staff isn't the only one that's supposed to do the work of ministry here. We all are. We're all supposed to share and to carry the load and the burden. And so that we can build each other up. So that you can use the gift that God has given you. You know there might not be a time where you, you'll have to use your gift so much. I mean, there's others that have it. There's not enough, you know, enough time for you or enough responsibilities. So just relax. But be ready to, to call, to do use whatever God has given you at the top, proper time. Forgive me, I, I didn't say that so good. The reason being is your, your gift is necessary for the next person, and you don't know who that person is. It, it might be like at the wedding I did, 
the young man came to me just this morning and said, I've been trying to reach my friends and they didn't want to come to church and something you said kind of hurt their interest and they might come to church. And, and I didn't know that. I didn't, didn't set out to do anything like that. Just set out to marry a couple people that I love very much. And God will use it. He'll do the same thing for you. He'll use whatever gift it is that you have so as to build up the body of Christ if you'll just allow him to use you. And so I encourage you with all my heart that this church would be a part of you, that this would be like your home. This would be a place that you feel that this is your home. This is your appointment with God. This is the place that you come together and, 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 and stimulate the other person to love and good deeds. It's like, I mean, can you believe it? We're already in Christmas season. Where, where do you go? And look, look at those beautiful trees. This is one of my favorite things about Christmas, just trees lit up. I don't know who put those there. I, I never saw it happen. It was someone who has a gift that just helped decorate the church. I have no idea who did it. All I know is it makes my home look a little nicer. It feels like, you know, makes our home feel a little nicer. This place ought to be yours. Your gift ought to be ours. Share it with the Lord. Share it with one another. If you understand true fellowship, this church will never be the same. We will go places that only God knows. I'm real early. You got free time. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Would you please encourage us to see how we can stimulate to other people to love and good deeds? I see it happening all around you, Father. It's not like I'm, I'm complaining. I'm certainly not. I've watched so many people become involved. It's, um, it's amazing what you've done here in four short years. I guess I'm pleading, Father, for the other people that have not yet got involved and feel like they can't be a part. And it hurts my heart because I recognize and I realize how much they're missing. The blessings that you want to pour out upon their lives are monumental. And, and so I plead, I plead, Father, for your case and your cause, I plead. And I ask, Father, that you would uh, touch each of our hearts. Help us to become the church that you've called us to become. Help us to become the people that you've called us to become. Help us, Father God, that we might stimulate other people to love and good deeds. What a privilege. What a privilege. Now bless us, Father, as we go from here. Make this day just a special and unique day in each of our lives. Thank you for the beauty of it, Father. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for watching over us, Father. Bless us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you folks so much. It's hard to put into words. Have a great week. I'll see you next week. God bless you. Love you so much. Thank you.